Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Season 2 of the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. Welcome to those who are here for the first time, and a hearty welcome back to the LCP faithful. What we do here is look at what the mainstream media feels is important to tell us about current events, politics, science, religion, and just about anything else, but we're not interested in their spin. We want to look at these stories logically, and we especially want to look at these stories as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you'd like to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. Uh, The words of Charles Dickens' famous novel, A Tale of Two Cities. It was written in 1859, but it sure sounds like today, doesn't it? On today's episode, first, we're finally taking Whitney Houston's advice and believing that the children may in fact be our future. If we teach them well, we can let them lead the way. We should show them all the beauty they possess inside. And then we'll hand those children directly over to the enemy. So, gird up your loins and prepare for battle. And also, gird up your loins and prepare for battle. Because, like it or not, here we go. My friends, we are currently participants in some of the worst times in all of human history. I don't know how we compare with the old classics like Sodom or the days of Noah. Realize that there are third world countries that have innumerable issues. But even from my very limited perspective, we are literally out of control as the human race. That said, I also think that you and I are and will be witnesses to some of the most amazing, jaw-dropping, eye-opening events in all of history. I made the comment probably 10 years ago or so that it felt like we were seeing a split between God and not God among humans. It was widening into a gulf that I don't think we'll ever come back together again. Now, at that time, I was seeing it primarily with the youth. Without delving into the exact nature of their theology, the general sense I was getting was that there were youth that were just on fire in their Christian beliefs, and those that couldn't possibly care less or were just hostile toward the whole thing. When comparing it to when I was that age, I mean, we were we were more middle of the road, to be honest. Just kind of, you know, just kind of meh. I mean, in general, there weren't many that were just hostile toward Christianity, and there weren't many that were the Billy Graham or Ray Comfort type of evangelists. But about 10 years ago, the emotions were stronger than I had seen growing up. The adherents on both sides appeared to be more bold and more adamant. And now, 10 years later, that gap I was seeing has definitely widened into what I believe is an uncrossable gulf. Look at what we're all facing today. Teachers openly posting videos about how they're grooming kids. People in positions of authority and prominence trying to mainstream pedophilia. A drive, absent any data whatsoever, to stop the global temperature, which has never been able to be measured accurately, from raising one and a half degrees Celsius. For no reason, with those screeching about how it must be stopped, fully admitting that there's no way we could ever hope to stop it, And there's no reason why we believe that the current temperature is the correct one. We have abundant oil, coal, we have the ability to make safe, clean nuclear plants, and we're trashing all of that to rely on technologies that have no hope in meeting our demand. 
At the same time, we're deciding that we must put even more drain and strain on the grid by going all-electric everything. And that includes stoves, because a very flawed study that really resulted in a big nothing was taken out of context. So now we all just believe that gas stoves are killing children. Other countries, and coming soon to this one, are banning the use of the very fertilizers needed to grow the crops at the levels needed to ensure that great chunks of the world's population doesn't starve to death. Not because the fertilizers are harmful or toxic, no, because of the climate. We have people in positions of great power who allegedly can't identify what a woman is, or at least they're willing to lie right to our faces about it. We have high-ranking government officials that are just absolutely mentally deranged. We have a military that's more worried about pandering to the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd than they are actually protecting their country. We have a satanic temple now that's offering abortions as a religious practice, much like baptism in the Christian world, so they claim. We have humans melting down because they can't kill unborn humans at will, we have black cops who brutally kill a black man in a predominantly black city run primarily by black officials, and that's white supremacy. And please don't make me get into the COVID and or alleged vaccine that's not a vaccine by any stretch of the imagination, because I can, and I will, but I won't, for now. We're allowing, encouraging, sexually perverted, mentally deranged, criminally deviant men to gyrate nearly nude in front of our children and encouraging our children and now encouraging individuals with Down syndrome to join them on stage at the stripper pole in their stomach-turning perverse actions. And we have an entire industry, including educated doctors, teachers, counselors, and supposedly loving, caring, protecting parents that want the right to mutilate their children, both inside and out. I paint a picture that's not very rosy. I fully admit that. But I maintain that you and I are at a point in our history where we are seeing and will see amazing things, amazing battles, sides taken, battle lines clearly drawn, God or not God. Now, I don't know which side will win temporarily and to what extent and for how long. I know the end of the book. I believe in a perfectly sovereign God, so I'm not worried about the ultimate outcome. But right or wrong, that ultimate knowledge doesn't always give me immediate peace knowing what my kid is growing up in and will have to deal with as an adult. Now, I get news alerts from my local news stations, generally so I know what kind of nightmare it's going to be to try to drive home after work. You know, where's the wreck today, I think to myself. But I got an alert the other day that put a huge smile on my face and at the same time, annoyed me to no end. Found on WSAZ.com headline, Bill Prohibiting Gender-Affirming Care for Minors Passes West Virginia House. Okay, yeah, if you know what this is saying, you know why I was happy. If you understand how they phrased it, you'll get my annoyance. So, to be somewhat brief, as this article isn't going to be our only landing point, as I said in a recent episode, the West Virginia legislature, a nearly 100% supermajority in both chambers on the Republican side, has been doing some really, really good things. They're shoving anti-woke, 
pro-conservative, pro-Christian bills through the process faster than I've ever seen done before. Some of them, like in the previous episode, I think are a little bit more of a stunt than anything, but that's neither here nor there. They're doing a lot of good. So kudos to them. I mean, absolutely. The Dems, of course, are losing their minds, but there aren't many in the House or the Senate, so the screeching inside the Capitol is you know, it's kept at a minimum. And generally, since liberalism is a mental disorder, one would have to question if the left even realizes the losses of their quote-unquote minds. Anywho, West Virginia passed a bill on Friday, February 3rd, along party lines, that's 84 to 10, in the House to ban child physical mutilation surgeries and child internal hormone mutilation drug therapy. Or as stated in the article, quote, West Virginia lawmakers in the House Judiciary Committee voted Monday to add a ban on hormone therapy to a bill prohibiting gender-affirming surgery for minors before advancing the legislation to the full House of Delegates. Ugh. Apparently on Friday, prior to the vote, 80 speakers took to the public mic to express their opinion on the bill to be voted on. All but two were pro-child mutilation, which... I mean, that's just astonishing. The, the couple Democrats left in the House said that this bill would harm minors, you know, by not destroying them physically, and that the bill actually, quote, bullies people. Eh, well, I mean, if there's one thing the left knows, it's, uh, it's how to bully people. They said that they didn't think the bill's sponsors spent any or enough time speaking with, quote, medical providers who actually perform gender-affirming care or as I'd like to call them, Supermax Federal Pen residents in the future. They further said, quote, Every major national medical association has come out strongly opposed to bills barring children from accessing gender-affirming care. Data indicates that 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves, and 40% have attempted suicide, with suicidality highest among transgender youth, according to a 2022 study, published in the peer-reviewed journal of interpersonal violence. Ah, well, hard to argue with that, right? I wonder, did they do any further looking at the data to see that the suicide rate actually increases for those that do transition, and uh, that nearly all kids that are mutilated once reaching adulthood uh, regret having had that done to them, and that nearly all that were stopped from this evil got over the confused psychological feelings within a few years and had no desire to pretend to be the other gender in the future. I'm guessing they probably didn't go that far in the statistics. That would have been hard. Furthermore, keeping in mind, as I've stated before, peer-reviewed that means literally nothing. I mean, I mean nothing. All it means is that someone signed off on you or the topic or they were paid enough to sign off. It doesn't mean that they checked the data, did their own analysis or even read the article or even the title of the paper. It means nothing. And yes, the data bears that up. And finally, with regard to the cognitively questionable leftist comments, if, quote, every major national medical association agrees with child mutilation, sounds like we're going to need more prisons. That's Bottom line, these organizations, in my humble opinion, aren't to be trusted. Not anymore. They're not interested in science or medicine or their oath to do no harm. They're interested in progressive ideology and being on the right side of woke. That is not who I want my doctor to look to when he's seeking guidance and training. 
Anyway, the bill is moving to the Senate, and I have very little doubt it'll pass the Senate and be signed into law. So, hey, that's great. Now, I know that I've been hearing about Utah doing the same thing over the last week. They've been stealing all of our good press. Jerks. So I want to get this right. Healthline.com says as of January 31st, quote, Utah becomes first state to ban gender-affirming health care for transgender youth. Hmm. Seems like a similarly phrased headline, and I think an incorrect headline, maybe first in 2023. Fox News has the headline, quote, as Utah bans gender-affirming care for kids, detransitioned woman sheds light on social contagion in youth. Okay, well, the second half is good, but a right-leaning news organization, gender-affirming care, okay? The HuffPost stated, quote, Utah governor signs bill banding gender-affirming health care for trans youth. And the New York Post, a generally right-leaning source, says, quote, Utah Governor Spencer Cox signs gender-affirming surgery on minors ban into law. I mean, could someone help me here? Why are all the news sources, left or right, for or against, calling this gender-affirming health care? Am I missing something here? The Hippocratic Oath. Let's take a look at that. It's attributed to the 4th and 5th century BC Greek physician Hippocrates. Don't stop it. I know it's Hippocrates. Well, at least I think it's Hippocrates. Could be Hippocrates. The earliest surviving copy of this oath, or at least the oldest fragments, are from AD 275. So, what, seven, eight hundred years later? That was, first of all, written in nothing but silly squiggles, just gibberish, or as Wikipedia calls it, Koine Greek. <laughs> anyway, it says in part, quote, I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my patients according to my greatest ability and judgment, and I will do no harm or injustice to them. Neither will I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so, nor will I suggest such a course. Similarly, I will not give to a woman a, not sure of this word, pessary to cause abortion, but I will keep pure and holy both my life and my art. I will not use the knife, not even verily on sufferers from stone, not sure what that is, but I will give place to such as are craftsmen therein. Into whatsoever houses I enter, I will enter to help the sick, and I will abstain from all intentional wrongdoing and harm, especially from abusing the bodies of man or woman, bond or free. Huh. Seems like this, both, uh, the administration of incorrect opposite hormones and the slicing and dicing of body parts, you know, removing some, adding some, rearranging and relocating some. It seems like that may be the incorrect use of the knife, possibly doing some intentional wrongdoing and harm and abusing the bodies of man, woman, bond, or free. And as this does nothing to curb the suicide rate, and all data and statistics show that this is the wrong course of action, it seems like this would be causing harm at least in the mid to long term, right? But that's old, archaic, dusty language. We get a completely different story in the modern version, right? Quote, I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required, avoiding those twin traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. I will remember that there is art to medicine as well as science, and that warmth, sympathy, and understanding may outweigh the surgeon's knife or the chemist's drug. Most especially, must I tread with care in matters of life and death. If it is given to me to save a life, all thanks. 
but it may also be within my power to take a life. This awesome responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. Above all, I must not play at God. Okay, so let's see here. Don't overtreat and don't deny treatment, which is what therapeutic nihilism means. Would have been nice during the COVID era. It seems like chopping and slicing and slamming kids with hormones and blockers might be, you know, overtreatment for a psychological condition. Nearly all of them work through in a matter of a few short years. Am I wrong here? I don't think I'm wrong here. Warmth, sympathy, and understanding may outweigh the knife. Well, then why are so many so frantic to grab and use the knife? It almost makes me think there might be something mentally wrong with these butchers. And that last bit, that last bit, what did that quote? Above all, I must not play at God. Um... Seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong here, gender is not so much assigned at birth, even though people have used those words, as it is assigned at conception when the old chromosomes match up. By making physical rearrangements and additions and subtractions, and then just telling someone that they are or aren't what they are or aren't or whatever, I don't know, just because their physical appearance has been horribly altered, doesn't that seem to be, quote, playing at God? Now, according to Wikipedia, they cite a 1989 survey of 126 U.S. medical schools. At that time, three of them used the original oath, 67 used the modern version, 33 used something called the Declaration of Geneva, and then there were some other straggler oaths and a few that didn't use an oath at all. So just to round out our most used oaths list, the Declaration of Geneva. Now, that was first established in 1948, with the latest revision being 2017. So let's take a look at a few of the pertinent clauses in the most current oath, if any. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting bullet points here. It starts off with, as a member of the medical profession, I solemnly pledge, and then it has a number of bullet points. I will respect the autonomy and dignity of my patient. I will maintain the utmost respect for human life. I will not permit considerations of age, disease or disability, creed, ethnic origin, gender, nationality, political affiliation, race, sexual orientation, social standing, or any other factor to intervene between my duty and my patient. I will practice my profession with conscience and dignity and in accordance with good medical practice. I will not use my medical knowledge to violate human rights and civil liberties, even under threat. Okay, so to me, this is a very ambiguous oath, with a solid, woke LGBTQ section wedged in there, probably the latest revision. This one is basically open for interpretation. What are human rights and civil liberties? Who defines dignity? What exactly is respect? We used to know what these mean, but uh, now, without strict definitions, you could easily make the argument from a satanic point of view that the child has the human right to have their dignity respected. So, you know, go ahead and start cutting. If you go to the ACLU website, and I, I have no idea why you would ever do that except to search for something like this, they have a section under their LGBTQ rights topic entitled... Mapping Attacks on LGBTQ Rights in the U.S. State Legislature. They state, quote, In the last few years, states have advanced a record number of bills that attack LGBTQ rights, especially transgender youth. 
The ACLU is tracking these attacks and working with our national network of affiliates to support LGBTQ people everywhere. Oh, thank you so much. Then below that, there's a map of the U.S. and a listing of all the bills that they're considering to be attacks on LGBTQ rights in each state. Now, jumping to another site, according to Insider.com from February 1st, Quote, Utah just banned gender-affirming health care for transgender kids. These 21 other states are considering similar bills in 2023. So let's take a quick look, shall we? We might as well. Texas. Child mutilation is already banned. They're trying to make it a form of child abuse, a second-degree felony. Good for them. Missouri, working on a bill that makes coercion of a minor into gender-affirming care. That's quotes around that. A child abuse felony. Good. Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Indiana, Wyoming, West Virginia, and Montana are all working to restrict child mutilation. Good, good, good. New Jersey. Ugh. Republicans introduced a similar bill. Good luck getting it through that Democrat mess there, but I mean, good for them at least. Kentucky, Republicans are looking into the same type of bill, but they have to get it past their Democratic governor. Tennessee passed a bill outlawing child mutilation last year. They're working on expanding it this year. Mississippi has the same type of bill through the House, moving on to the Senate. Hawaii and Oregon, Republicans again have introduced bills there too, but you know, those are heavily blue states. Nebraska is working on a bill to ban this atrocity for those under 19 rather than 18. And Kansas, Virginia, New Hampshire, and South Carolina have introduced bills banning those under 21. And Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. They have a bill working through Congress to extend the age to 26. Way to go, okay. Additionally, Arizona, Alabama, Arkansas, and Florida all passed bills last year that restrict hormone or surgery for minors in various ways. Now, before we get too cocky with these, those bills that are introduced in blue states are basically DOA. All right, The other bills will no doubt be put through stiff legal challenges, and as I know all too well in West Virginia, eh, we have enough activist, evil, demonically controlled judges that they'll at a minimum put a stay on these laws to force them to go through who knows how many legal challenges. So what do you and I do with all this? Well, if there are bills working through the system in your state, call your various reps or tweet them, you know, if you're not suspended from Twitter for infinity, like apparently I am, or email them, whatever. Let them know that you want this passed to protect kids You've got their back, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the state you're in. Oh, oh, pray, right? We know that children, all humans really, but children are image bearers of God. We should be fighting just as hard to let these kids be born and to let them grow up as who they literally, biologically, scientifically are. The demented left wants to say that the only way you can claim to be pro-life is if you're anti-death penalty. No, those that have committed certain levels of crime have forfeited their right to live on this planet. But to be pro-life, we should be pro-life in the womb. We should be pro-life for these kids to grow up without being psychologically manipulated, coerced, and destroyed. So-called gender-affirming care is nothing but the attempt to abort a child for who they are and results in the preemptive birth control via medically induced uh, infertility and sterilization. Pro-life must extend to fighting for these kids to live a normal life, not one that some evil counselor, notoriety-seeking demented mother, demonic doctor has manipulated them into. We, as Christians, as humans, 
need to be fighting to protect these kids. Whether that's having very frank discussions with your own kids, which I've had with mine, whether that's reading and learning so you can educate others, whether that's calling your congressman and governor, or if it's running for office or, or whatever way you can think of, we all have a part we can play and we need to be playing it. Now, I started off this segment with an abbreviated list of all the bad going on in this country right now, but I said that, quote, I also think that you and I are witnesses to some of the most amazing, jaw-dropping, eye-opening events in all of history. Satan is making a play. He's trying to win the game right here, right now. I'm not saying that this is the end, that the return of Jesus is any day now. Personally, I don't think so. I just don't see it. It could be. I just don't get that sense, at least not yet. But every few generations, it seems like Satan sees an opportunity. Leaders, attitudes, events all line up just right that allow him the chance to make another push for the end zone. So far, the world as a whole hasn't broken. And I'm starting to see that same sort of fight. The, the law written on the hearts of all mankind, right, regardless of if they're saved or not, is pushing back against what is clearly just pure evil. Now, I don't know that our push is as strong in this country as it used to be, but we're starting to see people waking up from school boards to sheriffs to state legislatures and governors up through our federal governments. It's not necessarily overwhelming yet, but the cracks in the dam are starting to line up. Now, ultimately, God, as I said, is completely sovereign. So even this evil gender-affirming care for minors or anyone is under the control of God. So from an ultimate standpoint, I know that God, who cannot sin, is in total control of all of this with the ultimate end of being for the good of his children and all of this for his glory. Now, how that's going to work that way, I have no idea. I'll probably never know this side of heaven, but I know that's correct. God is not shocked. He's not rocked back on his heels. He's not scrambling to try to figure out how to rescue these kids. He's in complete control of every atom in all of creation, including Satan. And yet, this does not absolve us of our duty to pray and to fight this evil everywhere in any way that we can. So hit your knees, and then when you're done there, get up, and instead of playing another game of, uh, what, Fruit Ninja or Minesweeper, what, the kids play these days, Cubert or Frogger, figure out what your role is in this fight, and then do it. I see good things starting to peek out over the horizon. Let's see if we can be a part of ushering that in. Well, comrades, welcome back. I trust that while we've been apart, you have only taken as needed, supplied by our ever-benevolent government overlords, and that you have given according to your abilities so as to benefit not only your comrades, but also the motherland. To those who have helped the authorities root out subversion, treachery to the state by seeing something and saying something, there will be an extra slice of bread in your weekly allotment. Together, my friends, we will crush capitalism and prove once and for all that communism is the only form of government that can adequately love and care for its people, even if it takes the deaths of millions upon millions of you, mostly through starvation, to prove this fact to the world. And that's enough hot air to play the USSR Anthem Trap Remix 
free communist type beat made by alo.mp3 found on YouTube. Oh man, is that simply fantastic. The link is in the notes. Might be my favorite remix of at least right now. Okay, enough of that. Welcome back to our look at the communist goals for America, part five. Just a quick reminder, these were the goals as read into the congressional record by a Democrat, no less, in 1963. When last we spoke, the communists appeared to be winning, having succeeded, by my count, in nine of the 14 goals we looked at thus far. And I believe I misspoke at the end of the last episode, saying that we were at nine of 13, but we were on goal 14, so that's literally impossible if math is still true. Which these days, I mean, who knows? Maybe 13 can be 14 if you just really want it to be. I I don't know. Anyway, since we've looked at 14 of these goals, or 13 if you're using new math, we need to head right on over to goal number 15, don't we? As I said at the end of the last episode, so far the goals have been kind of international, logistical type of goals. But now, now we're going to get into the meat of the issue. The list transitions from the global stage to the United States specifically. We'll have to be a bit more subjective in order to keep score here, and we may have to award partial credit for some. We'll decide that as we go. So without further ado, or whatever communists further, let's take a look at goal number 15. Number 15. Capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. Oh, <laughs> Huh, I mean... Okay, let's start here. I don't believe that the commies have captured both political parties. Although there are a few rhinos, a few useless liberals in the Republican Party, the Republicans as a whole are not communist. They're trending toward de democracy, they'll slide into progressivism and socialism eventually, but they aren't there yet. I mean, that's why you're seeing an attempt by the Freedom Caucus, generally, to take over the party and try to bring it back to where it's supposed to be. Now, on the other side of the aisle, ooh, ooh. so to be fair, I don't believe that communism has actually captured the Democrat Party either. I know some feelings may, may differ on that, but I don't think it has. I'd like to say it has, but I, I just can't say it, at least not yet. Now, there are a few, like the so-called squad, ugh, Ilan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez... <laughs> Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, who doesn't get as much press as uh, the others, and I'm not sure why. I believe these four are absolutely communist, okay? They are members of the Democratic Socialists, which is essentially communist, but I really I can't place many other than them into the communist camp. I mean, even Bernie Sanders, who, I mean, believe it or not, Bernie is right on so many of the problems in the system that we've turned this country into, but is completely wrong on every single one of his solutions. But even Bernie, an avowed socialist, is not a communist. I mean, totally, totally committed to socialism. Doesn't live like it, but he says he is, but he's not a commie. That said, the Democrat Party is definitely simpatico with the communist ideology. There's absolutely no question there. They're anti-God. They're pro-big government and government takeover of industry. They're pro-union. They're anti-capitalism. They're pro-government provided everything. And they absolutely believe in an opulent elite ruling class. 
so although I can't give the commies this one fully, I'm going to give them a half point on this, half credit, because except for officially declaring themselves communist and kicking out the last few blue dog Democrat dangleberries that are still hanging on, they're for all intents and purposes closeted communists. We'll give them half a point. So that brings us to 9.5 out of 15. Goal number 16, use technical decisions of the courts to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights. Okay, so it's been fully acknowledged that most courts in America these days don't go all the way back to that old dusty constitutional law. They pretty much stop at case law. So basically, if a court has decided something in the past, well, that's how we'll just interpret and decide in the future. And the more courts that agree with the initial ruling, the more solidified into pseudo-law that becomes. Now, don't get me wrong. The Constitution does not have all the answers. Much like the Bible, it's a guide. The big things are in there, but not every little detail is spelled out. And because of this, judges must interpret the law to determine guilt or innocence. Now, this should ideally funnel back to the Constitution. But again, that's not what we do anymore, or at least we don't do it very much. This was actually the big to-do about Roe being overturned. It was settled law, right? Which literally means nothing. It means a couple rulings agreed in the same direction, but it was never added to the Constitution. It never had a basis in anything to do with the Constitution. It was just kind of wedged in there by some agenda-driven partisan judges. So when it was overturned, people lost their minds, but they have no idea that the case for Roe was built on absolutely nothing. So let's now turn to civil rights. Remember, when this was written in 1958, it had only been a few years since Rosa Parks had refused to move seats. MLK Jr. was just getting started in his activism for civil rights, the ACLU had been around since 1920, but in 1954 they joined up with the NAACP to challenge racial segregation in schools. You see, all the civil rights things were ramping up around the time that these goals were being written. The ACLU was getting in full swing, which could be argued as a borderline communist organization anyway. You had the activism of progressivism. Uh, but it was kind of simmering below the surface at this point. It was stomped down in the Woodrow Wilson era, but it was still there. You had the heavily socialist programs of FDR that were put in place. The communists weren't wrong in thinking that the courts could destroy the very institutions and laws that built this nation. And, and let's look around a little bit. This is exactly what's going on today and has been for a very long time. The courts are simply playing a game of telephone. They're taking the last ruling and interpreting laws based on that, making a new ruling, and you, you keep going down the line, the ruling keeps getting farther and farther away from the Constitution. If they actually did it correctly, they'd bring it back to the Constitution and then work their way back up the chain. But, but that's not what we do anymore. And the ACLU is all over everything, especially where the Christian faith or family values are concerned. I mean, think about it. The black family has gone from one that was the most family-oriented in the country just a few decades ago to the most depraved demographic we have. The church has been neutered to the point that it either mostly stays inside its own walls or it changes to be more like the outside world. The schools that used to use the Bible and biblical teaching to teach reading and grammar, etc., 
now can't whisper the word Jesus in the halls or they'll have lawyers all jammed up in the front door trying to get in. And the list goes on. Like I said, some of these are subjective, right? Personally, I'm giving this a full-out check, as although I think we can still slide farther into the abyss, I think we're far enough into the muck and mire that we can say this has been wildly, if not completely, successful. So that brings us to 10.5 out of 16. Goal number 17. Get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers' associations. Put the party line in textbooks. Okay, let's take the easy one first. Get control of teachers' associations. Oh, yep, check. I'm not saying this about most teachers, but the teachers' unions, yeah, yeah. First of all, it's a union. Union is a communist concept in itself. But these teachers' unions are some of the most corrupt anti-American, anti-child, anti-teacher, greedy, nasty organizations in the entire country. No doubt in my mind that they would openly proclaim their allegiance to their communist overlords if they thought they could get away with it. As for the curriculum, well, I mean, the fact is that the ACT, the PSAT, the SAT, they've all been made easier over the last few decades. This is a fairly well-known fact. Because of this, the scores stay approximately the same on average, but the kids are dumbening. Do we remember Common Core Math? Yeah, that, that's still around. They've changed the name. The states have adopted their own version of it. It's basically emotion-based idiot math. Kids with learning disabilities or behavioral problems are almost never held back anymore. They're never given their own class to be helped the way that they need to be helped. No, no, no. They're passed to the next grade where they can get more help because of some government title fill-in-the-blank-with-a-number program that will take care of them. And we pass them along and along and along. And then we send kids that have virtually no education out the door of the school into the real world. The past couple COVID school years have shown how useless the curriculum is. Yes, kids could pretty much sleep all day, log on to the computer for a few minutes, and pass their classes with straight A's. Yeah, I think we can say the curriculum has been softened. Using the schools as a transmission belt for socialism and communist propaganda. No, I'd say that they've done a lot with that. The kids aren't being taught actual history anymore. Rather, groups like the 1619 Project are trying to force their lies into the classroom. The woke ideologies of social justice, anti-racism, and whatever other terms they can create are being taught, usually without parents being told. Sex education starts pretty much in preschool, I think, now, with full-out graphic detail, and now the addition of every made-up gender and LGBTQ propaganda is in there, too. As for socialism... Yeah, I mean, the textbooks are popping up now with definite pro-socialism, anti-capitalism bias. The only thing I think I could say is that's not happening, at least, is, is the overt addition of communist propaganda and the blatant printing of the Communist Party line in the books. Now, all that said, not all, possibly not many of what I rattled off a minute ago would be considered communist in itself. However... The core of their plan is playing out nicely. Remove actual education. Substitute in agenda-driven nonsense. Remove the ability for the kids to think. Create a Pavlovian response to whatever stimuli. And that makes a good, unthinking, unfeeling communist. 
The ironic thing is that those multicolored hair pierced non-gendered indoctrinators that somehow hold teaching degrees that are on TikTok talking about how they're brainwashing our kids, yeah, they'll be among the first to be locked up or disappeared under a communist regime. See, the communists see no redeeming qualities in these people and have no use for anarchist nonconformists that push social degeneracy into the culture. In short, they're useful idiots. When their use is over, so are they. I'm going to give this one a half a check as much has been accomplished, but we're definitely not fully at their goal yet. Plus, that gets me away from decimals, so now we're 11 of 17. And just for fun, let's hit one more, shall we? Goal number 18, gain control of all student newspapers. So a newspaper is like Facebook, but printed on paper, a bunch of sheets of paper with like Facebook yard sale on a couple of the pages and dating profiles on a page and some human interest stories, some news stories, you know, stuff like that. You can't click anything and pinching your fingers won't zoom the images in and out and you can't reply or like any of the articles. It was an old form of communication, you know, back in the day. Well, with the demise, for the most part, of actual physical newspapers, we have to go to the context of this goal, student media sources. So what are those sources today? Well, you've got Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, to a lesser extent these days, Twitter and Facebook, Twitch and Reddit. There are others, a lot of others, and there will continue to be others that will pop up. As of right now, discounting the fact that TikTok is, in fact, communist China owned and managed with the facts coming out last year, I believe it was, that while TikTok sends our kids videos of stupid human tricks and stunts to emulate causing the death of at least a few kids before parents are warned to talk to your kids about the danger of having someone hold your head underwater until you stop moving around so much, or whatever idiotic stunt they're trying now. So while TikTok sends American kids those videos, Chinese kids, when they're allowed on the app, are sent videos of Chinese kids doing amazing things, designing and building things, athletic feats, academic prowess, etc., etc. Yeah, the old Chai Coms got us on that one, didn't they? As for the rest, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, etc., etc., these are sitting about the same place as the schools that we just talked about. The useful idiots on there convincing your kid that he's gay or she's a he or whatever. They're telling kids how to lie to parents and how to have sex with whoever and whatever and however you want. How America is evil and on the list goes. Again, not specifically communist in nature, but creating a world of brain-dead, angry-at-America, anti-parent drones. Once we get a couple generations under our belt of that, those influencers will be carted off to Siberia to break rocks for a living, and the communists will be able to do as they please. So although Twitter has been rocked recently with the acquisition by Elon Musk, the reality is platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, they have moderators that will sneak up behind you and ask you if you really want to post that. Seems mean, or maybe... I think that that might be a misinformation. I'm going to have to go ahead and ask you not to post that. And then if you post it anyway, they go through a process of warning others of your subversion. And then eventually they just shut you down. Now, the process through these steps may not feel violent. And maybe you've never had to take something down or apologize for your blatant hate. 
But trust me, I guarantee that at least a small percentage of all these fact-checkers are in fact communists and are watching for whatever makes Mother Russia look bad. Regardless, the censorship and even the counter-articles that they post, you know, to show what a nutcase you are, that's exactly what a communist state does to its people. It censors, it rewrites, it propagandizes. So although, as with the schools, they aren't blatantly communist on these various student newspapers, there is no question what direction these things are trending. The useful idiots are playing their useful part until their use has come to an end. Then the next phase will begin without them. I'll have to give this a half a check also, as it's moving in the right direction. I mean, right, you know, if if you're a commie. And I think that's probably a good place to end this episode. We're now at 11.5 out of 18, about 64% communist as a country. That's by my subjective count. Your conclusions may vary, and that's fine. It's not like we're flying the hammer and sickle anywhere right now, so you may believe that we're not as bad off as, as I do. That's your prerogative. On the other hand, you may be outside every day waiting for the paratroopers to drop in, speaking some funny gibberish language. Regardless of your position, what I think we can all agree on, at least if you're listening to this podcast, I think we agree on this, is the direction. Despite the exact distance down the road, we're definitely on that road, barreling our way toward the end goal, to be good little communists. So to close out this segment, I think a few inspiring words from Mr. Vladimir Lenin himself. Quote, The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Huh. Quote, We can and must write in a language which sows among the masses hate, revulsion, and scorn toward those who disagree with us. Quote, why should freedom of speech and freedom of press be allowed? Why should a government which is doing what it believes to be right allow itself to be criticized? It would not allow opposition by lethal weapons. Ideas are much more fatal things than guns. Why should any man be allowed to buy a printing press and disseminate pernicious opinions calculated to embarrass the government? And finally, quote, give me your four-year-olds, and in a generation, I will build a socialist state. So, keep working hard for the greater good of society. The motherland needs you, for now, until your usefulness ends. Bye for now. Well, we've reached the end of another episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review, share, and all that podcasty stuff. Contact information can be found in the show notes if you'd like to reach out to me. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic, there is no armor like ignorance. Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So stay in the word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless.